I've been listening to that song all week in my, during my runs. Anybody follow me on Instagram, see my runs? I post my runs every day. I, I do that for accountability for me. And uh, I had some fun this week listening to some great... I listened to Eminem and Gold City on the same day. There's not a person on the planet... Now, some of y'all don't know who Eminem is. You're like, is that them candy things? Um, and some of y'all don't know who Gold City is. And they're Southern. Anybody Gold City? Gold City know who Gold City is? They're a Southern gospel quartet. Okay, like four people enjoy great music. Anyway, so, um, I, I, but I've been listening to that song, Healer, all week. Because if we're doing a song or we're, whatever set list we're doing, I try to listen to it when I run. Um, and it really kind of energizes me. So I, I love that song and just the declaration where, hey, Jesus, just want to put it on the, on the table. I believe you're a healer. And, and you know why we know that Jesus is a healer? Because there are those of us in this room that have been healed or will be healed or are in the process of healing. I learned about healing. I, in fact, I've got a lot of life lessons, but it's ski season. And when I say ski season, I mean snow skiing. Any snow skiers in the room? You'd love to snow ski? Anybody? Okay, a couple people. My hand is not up. Um, I do not enjoy snow skiing because I've had horrible experiences. The last time I went snow skiing, um, true story, I was with some friends. We went to Colorado because if you're going to do it, right, do it. So we went to Colorado, and we got on the slope, and I had tried to ski before, so I, I kind of lied to them. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm decent, which is not true. I was, I was horrible. And so they abandoned me like 20 minutes in because I kept falling, and, and I'd get up and kept falling. And so what I do, the, the, way I, the best way for me to learn something, I can't read about it. i got to watch it. That's why I love YouTube, because you can learn how to do things. You can see things. I'm very visual. And so I started watching these people, and this is what they would do. They would ski this way, and they would kind of lean to the side and ski this way. And I was like, I can do that. So I started doing it really slow. I started watching all the little kids. I was like, I can do what they're doing, a little slow. But then, I, I, see, I'm addicted to speed, and so I, let me stop. I've never done speed. When I say that, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the drug. I'm talk, I like to go fast, all right? So I started going a little bit too fast. When I say a little bit too fast, I was like straight down the mountain, Mach 9, and I had this thought, you know, I should probably turn. And so I went, I went to turn like this, and when I did, this, my right ski came off. I don't know why. Don't really matter. I still to this day don't know where it is. But it came off, and my body began to... Be, contort and fall in ways that the human body's not supposed to contort and fall. And I can remember, I don't know if you've ever had a fall or an accident, at some point it started all going in slow motion and you thought to yourself, this is going to hurt. You, any, anybody tracking with me? Anybody? Okay. So I'm like, this is going to hurt. And I was right. It did. I, fall, I, fell, I fell for like 20 minutes. It felt like it was never going to end. And when it ended, I'm on my back like this in the snow, just laid out, and I can't move. I don't know how long I lay there, but Ski Dude came up to me. Now, Ski Dude worked at the resort, and we were in Colorado, so he was probably on a Rocky Mountain High, if y'all know what I'm talking about. And he skis up, and he, he's perfect, and he's got, he's like, yo, dude, you okay? And I said, do I look okay? <laughs> he was like, no, not really. And I said, I said, I'm kind of hurt. And he goes, you know, if you don't move, you're, and I said, I can't move. 
I literally can't move. Like this leg is busted up. I, I can't breathe. Like I can't move. And when he's like, oh, well, I know how to get his help. And so he got on his little radio, snowmobile comes in. They put me on the medical snowmobile, and I went off the mountain. That's how I exited, and that's how I'm going to stay exited. I'm never snow skiing again. But I've never thought about that because had I approached that guy like most Christians approach people, when he came up to me and said, are you okay? I'd have been like, I'm fine. You don't, you don't look okay. I'm not, I, don't judge me. Don't judge, don't judge me. I love laying in the snow. I love laying in the snow. If you lay there, you're never going to get better. I'm okay. Like, I, if I would have acted like many of us have acted in the past when we're not okay and somebody asks us, are we okay? I would still be on the side of a mountain in Colorado somewhere, probably dead, because I didn't have the courage to say, I need help, I need healing. That's what we're going to talk about today. I've heard people ask the question, why doesn't Jesus do the things today that he did when he was on earth 2,000 years ago? And I, I usually have two answers to that question. Number one, he does. He absolutely does. But number two, everybody in the scriptures that needed a miracle didn't lie to him and tell him they're okay. They literally said, we need a miracle. That's where it starts, and that's where we're going to dive in today. So this is, a, this is a passage of Scripture that I've read. I've actually preached on this before, but I'm going to preach on it today from an angle or from a vantage point, something I've never seen in my life. Here we go. It starts out like this. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Aren't you thankful for people that introduce great things into your life? I'm going to ask it again. Aren't you thankful for people that introduce great things into your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 1130. I'm going to need some help. I'm preach too. I was on the phone with our, our children's pastor uh, last week, uh, Kimberly Tanner, and she was, she was saying, um, yeah, uh, last night I had too many white chocolate fudge Oreos. And my, my stomach was hurting. I was like, whoa, 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 what? You had what? She said, white chocolate fudge Oreos. Now, here's, here's what I didn't know. I, 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 I knew that people made those at Christmas. You know, you make them, you get Oreos, and you pour white. I didn't know you could buy them. She said, and I said, well, who made them? She said, Oreo. I said, well, you can buy them at the store? She said, yes. You can buy them around Christmas, but they're in limited quality. I don't think I hung up with, I don't even think I said bye. I've got some, I, I went to the store and got some bags of white chocolate fudge. I am so thankful for the godliness of Kimberly Tanner to tell me about white chocolate. These have changed my, like, they changed my scale this week too, but like they, they've changed my life. And I'm just thankful for people that introduce great things into my life. Are you not thankful for people that enter? I'm thankful for people that tell me about certain things, and I'm thankful for today, today for the people that told me about and brought me to Jesus. Because in this passage, we see the blind guy. The blind guy doesn't make it to Jesus unless people surround him and actually bring him to Jesus. That's the only way he made it. I started thinking about my spiritual journey. Do you know how I got here? The help of God and 
other people. I had a mother that took me to church the first 11 years of my life, whether I wanted to go or not. I had a friend in high school that was consistent and inviting me to come to church. When I got to church, there were several people that surrounded me and encouraged me along my journey. In other words, I came to Christ not because I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, but because there were some people that saw that I was blind, and instead of yelling at me and looking down on me for my condition, they simply brought me to a man who could make a difference in my life. And I'm thankful for those people today. And I think you should be thankful for the people that brought you to the place where you are today. Because if you know Christ, you didn't get here on your own. Somebody or a group of somebodies surrounded you, and they brought you to this man named Jesus. I think it's a great thing. when they, they Listen, they didn't try to help him themselves. They simply brought him to Jesus and said, we're giving him to you. We think you know what to do with him way better than what we know to do with him. They brought him to Jesus, and Jesus did the work in his life. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and admit it because somebody accused me of it this week. Usually when somebody accuses me of something, I want to be really quick to tell them they're true. Um, somebody told me, said, you know what I think, Pastor P? I think the reason you're moving from this facility to that facility so you can reach more people. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Because here's the deal. I think that the more people that meet Jesus means our community is a better place to live. Like, hey, if you want to change the schools, there's not a law that you could pass that changes the schools. But you let a group of teenagers meet Jesus and have their priorities changed, that changes the schools. You want to change the businesses? You want to change government? You want to change? It starts not with legislating some sort of law, but with a heart change. And Jesus is the only one that can change the heart. So at the end of the day, guilty. More people meeting Jesus is a better thing for this community, for this state, for this nation, and this world. I want more people meeting Jesus. Now, I love the fact that when they brought him to Jesus, they were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to trust you with this man, they brought him to Jesus and said, Hey, and we, we, oh, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. I just, because this was so cool. They brought the guy blind. Now, in, in the ancient world, if you had a physical deformity, if you were blind or if you were deaf or you couldn't walk or whatever, people thought it was because of sin in your life. So don't miss this, don't miss the imagery here. They didn't tell him, Pretend you can see. Like when we walk up to Jesus, don't, don't show him you're blind. Just say, man, awesome sunset. <laughs> and they could have played a joke on him like the sun wasn't even up yet, but they could have played a joke on him, right? They, they didn't tell him to hide his blindness. They, oh, mm, they brought him to Jesus as he was. That's the kind of church we're always going to be. That when you walk in those doors... We want people to walk in here as you are, not who a group of religious people expect you to be, yeah. period. If they're blind, this is the other thing. I had somebody ask me, hey, I was at um, 
such and such place the other day, and I saw one of your volunteers at a, they were at a bar, and so one of our volunteers on a, on a Saturday night, they were at the bar. What do you think about that? I'm like, which volunteer? Probably half of our team. Well, does, they said, does that bother you that they're at church on Sunday? I said, ask that question again. They're at church on Sunday. It, and, and I don't know why they were there. If Jesus needs to do a work in them, he'll do his work in them in their time. You know what I'm saying? I went. <laughs> I went I'm so loose at 1130. <laughs> I, went to a, uh, I, I went to Sue's not too long ago. Um, it was crowded one night. Some of y'all been to Sue's. You know what Sue's is. If you're watching online, Sue's is like a, it's a local place. And I walked into the bar area because that's where the party I was meeting, they were sitting. I drank water just in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> water on the rocks with a lime, please. That's how I ordered. Um, <laughs> half the bar said, Pastor P. I walked in. I was like, Pastor P, Pastor P, Pastor P. I'm like, these are my people. <laughs> now, some... Somebody asked me, how did I feel about that? I was like, I'm so thankful I got people in my church that because I've walked into other places and it's like, it's like everybody's like, yo, what's up? Oh, Pastor P, how you doing? What's up? What you got behind your back? Nothing. Nothing's behind my back. And they got a cigarette down here. <laughs> Nothing's behind my back. Okay, well, but your leg's on fire. So you're going to need to do something. Anyway, I'm just saying I'm thankful that we've got an environment where people can show up. And if they're blind, it's okay, because you know what? They're not going to stay blind. But Jesus will do it in his time, not ours. Now, all of that, I didn't say 8.30 or 10, so you got a bonus for sleeping in this morning. There we go. Here we go. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, this confused me. For years, I just kind of skipped over it. Like, why, would, why don't you just heal him in the village in front of everybody, right? Why, why don't you just heal him there? Why you got to take him over there to heal him? Until I started thinking about, um, well, let me set it up this way. I, when I was a kid, let me pause. I met somebody for the first time Friday night. They've seen me. They've watched me online. They've never met me in person. And they said the same thing that everybody says the first time they meet me in person. You're tall, right? I'm glad somebody didn't say fat. You're tall. That's what, that's what they say to me. And I'm like, yes, for those of you watching online, I am six foot six. That is the same height that Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for Clemson, that should have got the Heisman is. Okay, so just to let y'all know, I just I'd throw that. I mean, it was, I didn't mean anything by it. But so anyway, six six. Um, I'm six, so that's not short. And, and I weigh right now 207. Before Kimberly told me, about the Oreos, I was at 202, That's, and I'm working on it, all right? So, so anyway, I, I'm not a small person, but I used to be. When I was three, four, five years old, you see little pictures of me, I was the runt. And when I was five years old, I got put in the hospital um, to have my um, tonsils, adenoids taken out, and tubes put in my ears, and surgery went bad, and I nearly died. I missed, like, uh, probably 100 days of school. It was bad. So I was a runt. I was a runt. So my mom and dad would take me to this place over in Greenville. They had some friends that lived in Greenville. And I liked going over there because um, the guy had a CB. Some of y'all remember CB radios. And the antenna went all the way to Mars. And you could talk to truckers all over the United States. And it was my goal to make the truckers cuss because I thought it was cool. And it's not hard to make a trucker cuss. So, so that's, but, but, 
it got to the point where I didn't like going over there because they came up with a nickname for me when I was little, when I was runt. I would go over there. They, they came up with, I can't even believe I'm going to tell you all this. No, nobody, nobody has permission to ever call me this under any condition. Please. They called me Pee Wee Perry. Now, there's not a man in this room that goes, man, what an awesome nickname. Pee Wee Perry. What's up, Pee Wee Perry? And then they came up with a song, a little rhyme. Pee Wee Perry, always merry, walk around town with his drawers hanging down. I have never done that. Yeah, I've done some jacked up stuff, but I have never done You won't find that on YouTube, and if you do, it's not me. three, four, five years old. I mean, I'm still scarred from that memory. But here's what's crazy. When I got in the first grade at six years old, I hit a growth spurt. When I tell you, I, I, I mean, I went from the smallest kid to the tallest kid in my class in like two days. I went to school one day, and my jeans were like this. I was like, how y'all doing? How's your mom and them, right? I'm going to push that down. It'll bother somebody. Um, so, and then in third grade, I discovered my love for Oreos, and I got bigger. I was not Pee Wee Perry. But every time I went to their house, that's what they called me. Every time, it's like Pee Wee Perry, always Mary, walk around town. I'm like, and I got, by the time I got in fifth grade, I didn't want to go anymore. I didn't want to go anymore because they called me what I used to be and couldn't accept who I was now. And when somebody labels you by what you used to be and they can't recognize the person you're becoming, that is a place that. You cannot grow, and you cannot thrive, and you cannot live this abundant life. So maybe, and this is what I think, Jesus leads this guy out of the village because in the village, he was known as the blind guy. He was labeled. See, back in the ancient world, if you, had, if you, had, if you were blind, it's because there was sin in your life. Now, I'm going to show you later on in this text that this man was not born blind. At some point, he lost his sight. So people would have said, Billy the blind guy is sinful. He, he did something, and if he's going, well, I didn't do anything. Oh, no, no, there's secret sin in your life that you have not confessed. People thought if something bad happened to you physically, it was God's punishment and judgment on your life. So he's in this village where he'd been, he had been labeled, possibly for years, the blind guy. And Jesus knew that labels limit the work that he wants to do in our lives. So in order to heal him, he had to get him out of the place that labeled him. Labels are powerful. Labels will lock us in. And lock God out. I'll prove it to you. When I went from fourth grade to fifth grade, I went from public school, I mean, I went from private school to public school. And uh, it's a little different learning. Classes were bigger. And I, when it came to this reading comprehension class, I just couldn't get it. And so they moved me down a level, then they moved me down another level. And eventually they put me in what was called at the time remedial classes. And I remember asking my teacher, who, um, my fifth grade teacher is like most evil per people in the world, like Satan, 
Hitler and Miss Schnibben. She's right there with them. She's right there. Her name was Miss Schnibben. My God. And the reason she's so mad is she couldn't spell her last name. Um, but and some of y'all are like, what is she watching right now? She's not. She's not. Because I mean, there's no way she's still on this planet. That woman was 486 years old. Anyway, so I'm sure there's somebody here that knows her. I'm sorry <laughs> that you know her. Um, but... I remember asking her, I was like, Ms. Schnibben, why am I being put in this class? She said, Perry, it's because you're stupid. Now, I was 10 when that happened. I'm 49 years old right now. I still remember that. Labels are powerful. And so once I got called stupid you know, for the rest of middle school and high school, that's what I said. That's who I said I was. I mean, th that, that label right there can literally lock people in. Oh, here's one that nobody's ever dealt with. Divorced. Everybody in this room, if you haven't been divorced, you know somebody that has. And this is a label that can like. So, so I just got engaged, and I'm getting married in May. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> Last service didn't know if they wanted to clap or not. They were like, <laughs> um, I'm happy. Right, and so... And, and so I put, the, I put it on Facebook, um, and, and th this, is the way, this is the way it works. I, I put it on Facebook and Instagram. I don't put anything on Twitter because twi me, there are some mean people on Twitter. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Um, but I put it on Facebook, and there were over 2,000 comments, and all of them positive, except for three. And, and, we, and I just banned them or whatever. But one guy, one guy, one guy said, but you're divorced. Well, he's right. He's right. Anybody that's been through a divorce would all agree with me. If you've been through a divorce, you would agree with this statement. That no matter what happened to destroy the marriage, divorce, the actual divorce, the act of divorce, absolutely sucks. It does. It sucks. But if you've been through a divorce, I want you to understand something today. A divorce is what you went through. It's not who you are. You are not defined by the divorce. You are defined by the declaration that you are a child of God and he still has a plan for your life. So that's a label, though, that locks people in. It locks people in. How about addict? You can't get past that one. You can be an addict as a 17, 18-year-old, and 20 years later, people still call you by what you used to do. By the way, well, that's, that's, what's, that's the problem with the church. We identify people by their sin rather than by their potential. It's a problem. It's a major problem in the world and especially in church world. And, and so if anybody's ever struggled with any sort of an addiction... That's a label, and what will happen is if people call me an addict, I might as well be one. Or how about, how about ungodly? Ungodly. Here's what you need to know about ungodly. John the Baptist was called demon-possessed by the Pharisees. Demon-possessed. John the Baptist. By the way, all the guys that called him demon-possessed, nobody knows their name. 
people still naming their kids John. Isn't that funny? The, the biggest insult they could come up with for Jesus was friend of sinners. And they put that label on him to limit his effectiveness. But while they were trying to limit his effectiveness, all the sinners were like, oh, he's the friend, we'll go to him. Because all the religious people kept, kept kicking them out of the temple. If somebody's put that label on you, th this is what I tell people. This is, when people say, you're ungodly, I just tell people, you're right. You're right. And you're calling me that because of the stuff you know or the stuff you heard. I just, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm, I am. I'm ungodly. That's why I'm so thankful for God's amazing grace. And at the end of the day, somebody can try to put this label on you, but it's your fault if you let them. Because at the end of the day, as a follower of Jesus, you don't get to define what God has already defined. So, so it, keeps, it keeps going. Then, <laughs> spitting on the man's eyes. That's gross. Now, we've, we've spiritualized everything. Well, in the spit, there was the same saliva. That, no, it's gross. You spit. I've had two people spit on me in my life. Two. Two. It didn't turn out well for them. You can slap me, say something bad about me, talk about my mama. But if you spit on something, like, how would that be if you walked into Second Chance and the greeters were like, hey, welcome to Second Chance. <laughs> None of you are going, oh, my gosh, they care about me here. No, that's, it's gross. That, can you imagine? It's like, okay, Jesus is about to do something awesome in his life. Watch this, right? Did, um, I didn't think it was going to go down like that. Is anybody okay with this? Like, strip away the fact that, that we know who Jesus is. If, if I called somebody forward and said, hey, we're going to heal you today, we're gonna, and the first thing I did was spit on them, nobody in this room would be okay with it. And you shouldn't. So he spits on the guy. <laughs> then he laid his hands on him. And I'm like, can we skip the whole spitting part? part? Lay his hands on him and ask, can you see anything now? Can you hear me now? Like, can you see anything now? I love it. The man looked around. Yeah, he said, I see some people. But can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Now, I've heard people try to over-spiritualize this. And tree is a representative of something strong that by the riverbed and the roots go to. No, 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 no. He just, he just uh, hey, can you see? Well, there's Bob. It kind of looks like a pine tree. <laughs> Couldn't see clearly. I, I, I pulled three things out of this. Number one, healing is sometimes messy. J Jesus spit on him. Now, in John chapter 9, he spit on the ground and made some mud pies and stuck them in a man's eyes. I mean, that's not quite as good. I mean, I would rather that happen than this, but Jesus spit on the man. See, I know some people that say, um, oh, I want God to heal me, or I want God to heal so-and-so, but we're not, listen, it's, it's messy, but on the other side of the mess is the miracle. I wish it wasn't. God, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish it was as easy as some people try to sell it. 
I am fascinated. I've told you all this is my confession, one of my confessions. I am fascinated with TV preachers. I can't quit watching them. I can't quit. In fact, I'm thinking about starting a YouTube channel where I make comments on the TV. Pre- I, can't, I can't. Would anybody watch it? Okay, four people. That's great. But I, I saw the hyper-charismatics. Now, if you believe in this, praise God. I'm not. I, I'm just, yeah, I don't. I don't believe in this because it's not the way it works. Now, I wish it's the way it worked because if it worked, man, I would, I would have so much fun on Sunday. Or people are like, oh, if, you, if you're struggling with something, you just walk the aisle. And the pastor walks up to you and hits you, and you got to fall out. You ever seen that? Oh, my gosh, that'd be the best thing ever. Y'all just come forward, and you just, bam, and people are falling out. And if you didn't fall, I'd have hit you harder. <laughs> or I ask you to take a courtesy fall. Hey, man, would you just drop? Just one, one time, and people are watching, just drop. And, or, 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 or like I take, I'd, I'd wear a jacket and just take it and throw it on a group of people, and they all fall out. Have y'all seen that? Now, listen, I wish that worked. I wish that's the way God did it. Because if it, if it happened that way, it made my job easier. Or people on the other side are just, read your Bible and pray and the bad things will go away. Well, there was Jesus who was the word and prayed a lot and still got crucified. I'm just telling you, if you want to get he- healed, sometimes, sometimes it takes spit in the eyes. It's messy. Number two, healing is a process. Jesus, like, spit on the guy and then asked him, can you see? And the guy was like, I mean, kind of, but not really. In other words, it was going to take something else for the guy to get healed. By the way, aren't you glad that the guy had the courage to speak up and say, I mean, I, I mean it's not, I mean, I'm not really. Because me, I would have probably been tempted to be like, no, I'm good. That was, I mean, it's better than, better than what I had. But it's a process. Some people can get healed in a week. Some people get healed in a month. Some people get healed in a year. Some people, it takes a decade. And no, number three is healing is different. Healing is very different. Like how he heals me may not be how he heals you or you or you. As Christians, what will happen is we'll go through a healing process. We'll get on the other side, and we'll say, oh, my gosh, that's how he healed me. So we'll write a book, Four Steps to Healing, and we'll give it to somebody and say, read that book because that's what he wants us to do in you. But that's, it, it was what he did in us, but he may want to do it differently. Jesus healed seven blind people in the Scriptures, seven. He never healed any of them the exact same way. The work he wants to do in you is unique. I'm not saying don't tell people how he healed you. Just don't expect him to do that for other people. One of the problems we have in the church is that we will meet Jesus, and in five years he'll transform us into brand new people, and then we look back and we see people that meet Jesus, and we want them to be in five weeks where it took us five years to get to. That's a problem. Let Jesus heal them in his time. Because at the end of the day, he knows what he's doing. Now, I love this. It goes on to say, then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. I love that. But the, the, the two words that 
really stand out in this text are completely restored. In the world that we live in, especially the Christian world, once you screw up, and we've got selective sins. So once you commit one of the selective sins and you screw up, according to some people, you can never be remotely close to God. You are, you are done. I, I've told you all this before. I didn't want to start this church. I didn't. Um, because because when, I, when I first started talking about it, most everybody was excited, but you know it only takes one or two, usually, right? You get 100 positive comments, and that one negative one will drive you up the wall. I had two people pull me aside. Um, they're not in, in my life, involved in my life in any way, but at the time they were like, um, you shouldn't do it because you will never have what you had. And you'll never be who you were. So you shouldn't do it. And I wrote that down. I write a lot of stuff down. But I wrote that down. And one morning, God spoke to me, and I wrote this down. And I believe it with all my heart. They're right. I'll never be who I was. I'll be better. And I'll never have what I had. I'll have more. Because we have a God that doesn't do a halfway job when he heals somebody. He completely restores. And if he did it for the blind guy and he did it for this guy, he'll do it for you. I don't care what you did. I don't care what happened. You are not relegated to be some second-class citizen in the kingdom of God who has to spend the rest of their time in earth on spiritual timeout because you messed up. God doesn't just heal. He completely restores. And while you might not have what you used to have, we serve a God that can give you immeasurably more. But then something crazy happens. And I didn't understand it until preparing for today's message. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. For years I read this and went, what? Why would you tell him not to go back in the village? Because... You could go back in the village and be like, look at me, I'm, I'm healed. I'm healed. But Jesus is basically telling him, don't go back to the place that limited you by the labels they put on you. Because had he gone back in the village, n nobody would have recognized it. They would have been like, hey, hey, blind guy. No, 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 I'm not blind. Oh, stop it. You're no, no. I meant, 
this man named Jesus, and I, I think he spit. I don't know. I couldn't see it, but I heard it. Like, I think he spit, and then he touched me, and I saw Bob. He looked like a pine tree, but now he's not a pine tree. He's just Bob, and I can, I can see. No, you can't see. You're, you're the blind guy. Can you imagine stepping back in that environment? Can you imagine stepping that, back in that environment? Hey, I'm healed. Are you really? Well, yeah, I can see. I mean, but, but really, are you? Like, how long is that going to last? I'll bet you'll be blind again next week. And he would have spent time arguing about his healing rather than walking in the healing that Jesus had given him. Maybe he would have gone back in town and, and they would have said, you're not really healed, you're not really healed. And just to be accepted by the townspeople, he would have closed his eyes and remained blind just to get their acceptance. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back to the place that limited you by their labels. And for Jesus to heal some of us, he's going to have to call us out of the place that limited us by the labels. He, because for us to go back to that environment is absolutely toxic. So my question is today, for everyone here in this room, everybody watching online, is what is the healing that Jesus wants to do in your life? Because the answer to the question is, can Jesus still heal? Absolutely. Will he still heal? It depends on whether or not, if you like me, you're laying on the ski slope and you're willing to admit, I'm not well. I have a problem. I have no hope. But today, you know what, Jesus? If you still heal, that's what I want. So with that in mind, can we, can we pray heads bowed, eyes closed? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just move in this place. God, that you would do a work in our lives. God, that you would call people who have felt like second-class citizens or something is wrong, God, to a place where they know, believe, God, that they can be healed. Father, I pray for people that have been hesitant to share, God, their struggle, their temptation, the thing that has them weighed down. Father, I pray for the person in this room or the person watching online that has let the labels that the religious limit them for far too long. Jesus, that we would know today that you are a healer and that nothing is impossible with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, I'm going to ask every single person in this room today, if you're here today and you feel like I'm that guy. I'm that person in the story that needs to be healed. I need for Jesus to do a work and heal me. I, you need healing emotionally. You need healing spiritually. You need healing physically. If that's you today in this room and you need someone to pray with you or for you, I want you right now without even looking around to stand on your feet. I want you to stand up in your chair or stand up in your, where you're seated right now and say, I need prayer today. I need prayer for somebody. I'm acknowledging 
that I need to be healed. I'm acknowledging by standing that I need some sort of healing in my life. Now, heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, but I'm telling you, in a room this size, there are some of you that you're pretending you're okay. And today, Jesus wants to do something inside of you, but you're going to have to take the step to stand up and admit, I need healing in my life. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke doubt, I rebuke discouragement, I rebuke fear, I rebuke hesitation. If this needs to be you, then I want you to stand on your feet right now because we're about to pray for God to do something supernatural in you. But in order to receive it, you got to stand up. You got to stand up and admit today, Jesus Christ, today, I need your healing. Today, I need you to do something supernatural in me because if you did it then, you can do it again. I believe that you're still God and I believe that nothing absolutely nothing is impossible if you brought the dead back to life then Jesus you can bring healing in this place now if you're still seated I want you to look and see if somebody's standing near near you because if somebody's standing I want you to stand right now and put your hand on their shoulder I want you to put your hand on there I want I don't want anybody standing standing alone I want you to put your hand on them. I want you to place your hand and I want you to begin to pray right now. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Jesus, do a healing work in this person. Do a healing work in this man. Do a healing work in this one. I want us to pray for one another because that's where the power is. Believing while you're praying that nothing is impossible for Jesus. He literally holds the world in his hand that, that nothing is impossible. I'll, for those of you that stood, I want you to believe that for yourself. I want Jesus, I want to thank you today for so many people in all of our services that took the first step toward healing by taking a stand. Father, I pray for every single person that has stood up. Jesus, that you would begin to stir within each one of us the hope that we need, that if you started a good work, that you will carry it on to completion. And may we walk out of this place, Jesus, even if our circumstances haven't changed, our perspective has, because we know that today, today you started the work that you will finish in your time. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here today, and you're saying, you know what? I need to talk with someone about what I stood up for. I, I can't just walk out today. I need someone to pray with me or pray for me. Then I want you to step out of your row right now and walk out the back door. There are four exits, and we have people from our care team that will meet you there. They will pray with you. They will listen to you. They will pray for you. They won't judge you. They're just here to help you take your next step. And if we can do that, we want to do that today. And I want you to go right now. I want you to go right now. I don't want you to worry about anybody looking at you or judging you. I want you to feel that freedom. Father, I want to thank you today. God, today is going to be a day that our church looks back on. And we're going to know and celebrate the healing work that you began in us. 
Jesus, I pray that as we walk out of this place, we would walk out of this place with our head held high, knowing that you have not called us to be second-class citizens. You are the God that heals. You are the God that saves. You are the God that restores. You are the God that is able to do immeasurably more. All we can ever ask or imagine. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I'm so glad. I hope you guys have a phenomenal week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.